Hey, lunatics, you're listening to Let the Meat Grass, a podcast exploring real food, broken ecosystems, and a better way to live. I'm Austin Williams, your farmer and podcast host. Before I began farming, I was a public school teacher who had grown up in the suburbs of St. Louis. And if you were like me, you had no idea what was real or who to trust when it came to our food. If you're listening to this podcast, there's a chance you've begun to doubt what huge food corporations are trying to sell you is as healthy as it's cracked up to be. And for good reason. I'm dedicating this show to you, the lunatics, the crazies, who have chosen to opt out, to stray beyond the safe and familiar confines of grocery store walls to support a farmer. And not just any farmer, but a farmer whose mission is to heal the land and nourish the people. You see, conventional farms are dying. We've been losing farmers for well over a century now. When 100% of us eat and only 1% of us farm, we have a math problem. Help me do the math by sticking around, listening closely, and voting with your forks to support real food. See you soon. Hey everyone, today's date is March 12th, 2020. Uh, We're nearly a year uh, to the day that I started this podcast, and it's happened a lot more quickly uh, than I wanted it to, uh, but I've made the decision to shutter the podcast uh, and to start up another podcast that has nothing to do with farming. I wanted to give all of you more time to digest this. I know that there's quite a few of you who really enjoyed listening to it. Um, I was doing it for free. I really didn't have any contracts to speak of. I didn't have any obligations to advertisers or anything. So it was nice to be able to make a clean break. You know, I had nothing invested in it in terms of money. I did not need to make money from it. And so uh, the really the big uh, roadblock I was running into is just needing to spend more time in the mornings and the afternoons with Tesney. And I love to, so it's not hard at all for me to shutter it. It's I'm really glad that I do, and it's just actually one less piece of tension uh, in in terms of how I spend my time. So I do want to make one more episode for you, and this episode has nothing to do with farming. It has very little to do with food. Uh, this is the story of August 13th of 2016. This is the day I met Kelly, told from the perspective of the people who were there. Uh, so you'll hear from five people in the story, myself and Kelly, and then three of our friends, Uh, my friends uh, Bradford and Calvin, and Kelly's friend Ashton. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, I hope you uh, are encouraged and just just enjoy uh, the story of how we met. We love telling it, and um, I wish all of you the best in your journey with food and finding good food and real food. I hope that I was a help rather than a deterrence for you. Um, If you have anything you'd like to tell me um, that you want to share with me about your time listening, please email me um, at austin.letthemeatgrass.org. I would love to to see anything that you want to show me. Uh, So with that being said, here is the final episode of Let the Meat Grass. Well, in college, I had this friend named Bradford. And before I tell you anything else about him, you may be able to guess that he is A, white, B, homeschooled, C, proud owner of two pugs, D, an engineer, uh, but you might not be able to guess that he's medium height, brown hair, blue eyes, um, 
you can tell that he's just going to be a good looking old man just by looking at him. Um, and he's good looking now too. And also that he has this incredibly amazing laugh. He has this deep, this throaty, like this rollicking good laugh whenever he finds something humorous. And one of my favorite things about him. So Bradford had decided because he was going to get married soon that he wanted to have a bachelor party and he wanted to throw the best bachelor party that had ever been thrown on the face of the planet earth he wanted to go drive from missouri to colorado and go hike a mountain with his best friends to celebrate it so being one of his best friends i happily consented i was like you know i'd love to do this with you and so me bradford and three other guys decided to uh, drive all the way from missouri to colorado to go hike a 14,000-foot mountain. Um, and actually, we're going to ha- hike a pair of saddleback mountains called Gray's and Torrey's Peak. I was going on the trip where Austin met Kelly because of a friend of ours named Bradford Barnett. So when Austin and I met in late 2014, he was kind enough to enfold me into some of his relationships and eventually invite me to be his roommate. Now, our third roommate was a guy named Bradford Barnett. And together, the three of us had all sorts of Uh, great conversations and adventures together. When Bradford got engaged in June of 2015, um, Austin just as easily could have been tapped to be his best man. Um, But that title also entailed a lot of planning of his bachelor party and some aspects of the wedding. And I'm definitely the more organized of the two of us. Um, Anyway, Bradford and I sat down to brainstorm what the ideal bachelor party would be. Uh, what she decided was to hike a mountain out in Colorado, specifically what he called a 14er or a mountain over 14,000 feet. Uh, Bradford picked the travel dates and we planned everything else. Um, I poured over the list of the 14ers in Colorado and decided on Gray's Peak close to Denver. So with dreams of summoning Gray's Peak, Austin and me and Bradford and two other groomsmen of Bradford's named Taylor and Tony hit the road. Um, and that was a day that would come to matter immensely more in Austin's life than I think he realized at the time. Um, so that's why I was on the trip, just as part of a bachelor party for a friend of ours that turned into something much bigger. You know, well, I had uh, originally taken a trip to Colorado in high school and uh, I got altitude sickness uh, while I was there. And so I was basically, I, I just felt like the rubber band man. You know, I was, I couldn't do anything because I was just so tired from, uh, you know, the altitude sickness. And so I had this great idea that a bachelor's party should not be a selfish thing. Uh, I want the guys coming with me to be able to enjoy themselves too and do something really fun that everybody would be willing to pitch in and take part of. And uh, so that's kind of what the idea was born out of. If I remember correctly, we went on the trip because it had become a tradition with other classmates um, in the Back in high school, we would hike 14ers together, and after graduation, when we had all gone our separate ways, our friend group had really dwindled down to just the four of us, And but we decided to continue that tradition, um, especially after 
we did our first overnight trip and we are hiking Mount Elbert, which is the tallest 14er in Colorado. And it was just such an awesome trip that we decided like we've got to we've got to keep doing this, especially just like once a summer is all we decided. Just once we'll do our camp out, we'll have a campfire, have hot dogs and s'mores, and then we'll hike a 14er in the morning. And so this was the last year that we did that. Um, originally, I had planned to hike a 14er that was way down south in Colorado. It would have been like a six-hour drive. And I remember like two weeks before we were set to go, I got a text message in our group text from Ashton. And she just basically said, like, I really don't want to do that. Like, it's such a big trip. And so we compromised, and I decided on Gray's Peak instead of whatever the other peak was. It was evening going into completely black. I think it actually might have been just completely black because we had arrived in Colorado in like the late afternoon and we had stopped in for some nachos and we just pigged out on these nachos and we got really lost trying to find this this unpaved unmaintained mountain road that would take us up to the trailhead and we were just driving around I remember at one point I was like running down a road with a flashlight trying to see if it was the right road um and we we were having the hardest time and finally we found it um we we were up at, at that point, we were almost at tree line. So there were trees, but we could see the point, you know, maybe a thousand feet above us. So we were pretty, pretty far up there. And since we were totally new to Colorado, we did not know our way around at all. And um, so really, I would say the time that I really first got to see the mountain and all of its glory was the next morning. And being, you know, little plains boys from Missouri like we we just thought it was the most amazing thing ever that like there was as many stars as there were that night so we actually opted to leave the tent flap open um so that we could watch the stars as we fell asleep not realizing that over the course of the night we would accumulate enough hoarfrost in the tent for it to actually begin like snowing on us from inside our tent as our breath condensated on the roof of the tent so and then rained back down on us so in the morning, we realized that we were like all wet because we had been rained on from inside our tent all night. And so we poured out of the tent and started, you know, blaming each other. But that's when we first got to see the mountain. And I mean, it was tall. I mean, we were at like 12,000 feet, so we weren't at the base of it. But we, it was, I mean, it was grand. It was um, stood against this robin egg blue morning sky. And the base, um, uh, the, the peak of it is barren. You know, there's nothing that grows up there. But um, all the way up to the peak of it, you see some trees up to tree line. So you have these greens, these grays, you have the blue of the sky, you have this little gurgling mountain stream that was going just past our tent. I mean, it was picture perfect. I mean, it was an amazing, amazing morning. Well, it was dark out because you really want to, you want to start hiking a 14er really early because you want to be off the peak by noon. So it was dark out. So really you can only see the outline 
of the mountain and so the out the mountain itself is like black and then you just see the night sky with all the stars and it's just beautiful but it's also like really scary personally I don't know if anybody else feels that way but I'm always incredibly intimidated when I'm standing at the base of a 14er getting ready to hike it like it's it's kind of scary because you know people die hiking 14ers and here I am just kind of a novice at this but it's fun and it's hard but it's so rewarding my first trip to Colorado uh, with Austin was relatively smooth uh, despite a couple bumps in the road uh, it was only near the end of our 13-hour journey from Missouri to Colorado that we really started to encounter a litany of problems first was nearly getting lost um, after the long drive um, as we ascended the the literally mountainous terrain in our Jeep that night um, all we wanted to do was just find the trailhead and a spot to camp and uh, get some rest before the long hike. And after going in circles for quite a while with no access to internet or a GPS, we finally came across a, another crew of college students who helped us find our bearings and uh, get to the campground. A little more on who was in that group later. Another struggle that we faced that first night was just the bitter cold. When we left Kansas City the morning of August 12th, uh, 2016, it was about 90 degrees and um, a couple hundred feet above sea level. When we arrived in Colorado, um, where we were to spend the night, we were at, I believe, over 9,000 feet in elevation and about 30 to 40 degree temperatures. Yeah, there was a lot that went wrong. I like to joke that pretty much everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. I remember we were all going to carpool to the mountain together, and my friend Carlos had volunteered his Suburban so that we could all fit our camping gear and our personal bodies <laughs> in one car because in a previous trip we had taken my little Subaru and it just wasn't comfortable and we broke down so we needed a more powerful car to get up the mountain and so we all got to Carlos's house and I remember we go inside and he hadn't even packed yet and it's like we we stood around for like an hour or two just waiting for Carlos to get packed and then we finally like we all get our stuff into the car and we get on the road and then Carlos is like oh I'm gonna stop at Safeway and get a Gatorade <laughs> it's like you've got to be kidding me you couldn't have done this like months in advance like Gatorade saves you could have done this before today right now and so we finally get on the I-70 going up the mountain and we realized we were in such a hurry to get out of town that we forgot to eat dinner. And so we started like Googling on our phones where we could eat because two of my best friends have um, a gluten intolerance slash celiac disease. So there was only like specific places that we could eat. And so we stop off in Idaho Springs at a subway thinking like, okay, my two friends can get salads or something and then the other two of us can get sandwiches because this is convenient like it's right here it's on our way and again we get into the store literally we had gone off the highway 
pulled into the parking lot, got out of the car, went into Subway, and one of my friends decided that they did not want to eat Subway. <laughs> so we get back in the car and we continue Googling and Ashton found a Wendy's in Frisco. And I guess apparently they have like gluten-free chili on their menu. Unfortunately, Frisco was not on the way, or at least on the original route that I had planned to get to Grace Peak. Yep. Tell me about that. Yeah, I think it was me needing to be gluten-free. And I was looking for gluten-free options. And then we're like, oh, it'll go to the same place anyway. It loops around. It just matters which restaurant we pick. And then that's not entirely true. It turns out you can get to the same mountain from two different directions, but you have two vastly different experiences getting to the same location. Isn't that true? We'd actually run into the Missouri Guys group the night before the hike. Um, We were coming back from the trailhead in our Suburban, and they were coming up the road in a Jeep, I think. And we, like stopped on the road and we rolled down our window and they rolled down their window and we asked them like do you have any idea where we are like is this grace peak and they basically said we have no idea like we don't know where we are at least that's what i remember and we're like well if you continue up that way like it it's a dead end so if y'all are gonna camp somewhere i'd find it soon and so they're like all right thanks and they like drove up the road and we drove down the road and But originally, we did not realize that we had met the Missouri group. So I first saw the Missouri group when we got to the parking lot in the morning after we had camped overnight. So it was like super early. It was like 5 a.m. or something. No, it would have been earlier than that. Maybe we had gotten up at 4 a.m. and made it to the parking lot at 5 a.m. I don't really remember. And so... We're kind of buzzing around our car, getting all our gear ready, getting ourselves ready, packing up some few last minute things, and I happened to see the other car that was in the parking lot. I'm sure there was a few other cars there, but another group of guys that were buzzing around their Jeep, probably getting their last minute items, and I happened to notice that their license plate was a Missouri license plate and I'm seeing like this group of college looking guys thinking like oh great like a bunch of annoying guys that we have to put up with on this mountain and but Ashton really wanted um, a before picture of our group and the only other people that were in the parking lot was this group of Missouri guys and so she went and asked them if they would take a picture of our group And I remember Austin replied, only if you take a picture of our group. And so we exchanged picture taking. And I remember as the Missouri guys were lined up for their picture, I noticed Austin, I think he was on the very end. I'd have to look at the picture again. But I remember like thinking in my mind, like, he's really cute. I kind of really like that one. I admittedly had this like strange gut feeling that like maybe... He's, like, so cute that maybe this is the one. (laughs) It sounds so stupid to say out loud, especially to other people, but 
that's that's generally what was going through my mind. So that's when I first noticed you. Um, I first no- noticed the other group when this girl approached us and they were kind of standing near the trailhead and she asked us to take a picture of their group and I, that's when I told her I was like well only if you take one of us and so I snapped a picture of their group and they in turn snapped a picture of our group and we kind of did that awkward thing where we we're like oh bye but you know we're at the top of the mountain there's nothing else to do but hike the mountain so we're all going to head in the same direction so we kind of awkwardly started walking in the same direction and kind of said hi again and then we resumed conversation Uh, so it was it was then um, over the course of the next several hours that I started to to really gravitate towards this one girl in the group and there was two guys and two girls and there's it wasn't the girl I had initially talked to it was this other girl and I just noticed that I I really really liked the way that she thought and I'd say I also quick picked up on pretty quickly that um she had she had a relationship with jesus christ and she was a christian and something that was really important to me um in any girl that i'm in a relationship with uh so just even though she was a stranger just hearing that was like oh well that's at least i know that um this girl is has a really strong foundation and obviously i found her really attractive and so i was like oh you know it's it's gonna be a great conversation partner on the way up um, but by the time I got to the top of the mountain, that's when it had kind of gone beyond the you're a stranger and you're a Christian and you're attractive and that's nice to a, man, I really want to get to know you better on a deeper level. And I actually was able to get her phone number at the top of the mountain. Because um, it was just two groups of tourists looking very unprepared, us and them. And then some very avid hikers. And I was like, I don't want to ask the fancy people for a photo. And that's how we met. I'm flattered that you think. So, in high, everything's always easy on hindsight. And uh, <laughs> so, Colorado has, and you're probably more aware than I am, but they have this classification for trails and their difficulty. Uh, I believe the one we were on was like uh, class two which is like, you don't need any climbing equipment, but it's kind of hard. Uh, class two climb, I'm like, okay, this is kind of rough. Um, spoilers, I didn't make it to the top. <laughs> um, I made the mistake of not emptying out my backpack that I stuffed everything into. And so I'm lugging like a solid 15 to 20 pounds extra which when you're a Missouri boy and you're breathing that, you know, sea level air, <laughs> it takes a lot to, you know, get that up to the top of a 14,000 foot mountain. And uh, I remember seeing this lady jogging by and she basically lapped us. We weren't even all the way to the top. And this woman with her dog, she's like 50 years old just runs the entire way up and then all the way down with her dog. And I just remember thinking, I am nothing. I am just this fat tub of lard. And, uh, and so if that describes the difficulty pretty well of how out of shape I was for this, um, that pretty much describes it. I, uh, 
really notice when I wasn't going to make to the top when me and Taylor Livingston were just having a terrible time. He was worse off than I was. Um, so he had like thrown up and he was like turning green and we had just saw that helicopter life flight somebody off the top of this mountain. Um, and so the question was not, should I continue? It was, who's the weakest of us and who's going to take the other weakest of us back down? And so um, I was really enjoying our time getting to know the other group, and I really didn't want to take him down. Uh, but I realized that, you know, I'm barely keeping up with Carlos. And, uh, and at that point in time, I knew I should just kind of, I should take Taylor down. Cause it's not safe to send alone, um, especially if you're suffering from altitude sickness. So always use the buddy system. So I was like, I'm not going to make it. Let these guys have fun. I'll take Taylor down. Um, and, and that was pretty much that. What I don't think you guys realized was when we fully descended, Taylor just collapsed basically. We got to the car, um, he got in, and he was basically unresponsive. He just immediately fell asleep. And so I had to prepare the truck for you guys, and I'm like beat myself. So um, it was kind of a one man show until you guys got back down. Uh, I would say incredibly difficult, maybe more emotionally than physically. <laughs> I felt a little a little bit let down as we were starting to climb with this other group, and there's a lady who walked right past us walking a dog, and I was like, oh, good morning, or somebody said good morning, and she's like, yeah, good morning, love this side of the mountain, there's so, f so many fewer people here, it's like so nice and open, there's nobody around, and I was like, this is not, this can't be right because we're supposed to climb the touristy side of the mountain. And that's when it tipped, tipped me off that maybe we were in the wrong place. Just maybe. Um, and then I looked up at the mountain and I was like, wow, there's not a trail. This is really interesting. And then just got progressively emotionally harder as there was the summit that seemed further away with every step and all of this kind of crazy climbing we had to do. I most remember that woman seeing her come back down the mountain. She had already summited, ran to the top, and came back down before we had even reached the summit. And yeah. She, and she was like, you know, 60 years old, just running with her dog. Yeah, I, I felt I a, little, a little embarrassed as well. Mm -hmm. Well, I made it to the top. I did. And it was definitely a harder climb. Well, I'm going to take that back. It was hard, but... It was also short, so like Mount Albert is, we climbed a class one on Mount Albert, but it was just such a long hike because it's the tallest 14er. Um, but we did realize once we made it to the top that we had accidentally hiked up the class two side as opposed to the class one side. So it kind of made sense that it like the trail wasn't nearly as well marked and that it was steeper and on some places. So it was hard, but since we had such a large group, it was pretty slow going, so I wasn't really all that tired. Yes, I was able to make it to the top, along with Austin and, his, and Bradford's other uh, groomsmen named Tony. Unfortunately, Bradford and one of his other groomsmen named Taylor had to turn back about 
two-thirds of the way up the mountain. Um, and Kelly and all of her group as native Coloradans, of course, made it to the top, no problem. Um, I would rate the difficulty of the climb as a 7 out of 10. It's one of the most taxing things I've ever done physically. Um, it certainly helped that I had done months of training leading up to it, um, drinking enough water, running uh, stairs, making sure to have all of the, the right um, foods and medications. And um, I think Austin took it like a champ as well, but it was certainly one of the most difficult things that I've ever done. I mean, it was the hardest thing I'd ever done up to that point in my life. I'd say pretty easily, 10 out of 10 difficulty. Once I got to the top, I mean, the air is really thin, so you're breathing really hard. There's not a lot of oxygen. Um, you know, your your muscles are like screaming for air. I mean, Bradford and another guy, the only two cross-country runners in the entire group, couldn't make it to the top. Every, all the other schmucks among us who hadn't been cross-country runners, we made it, but not Bradford and his other friend. So it was super difficult. And part of the reason why I really wanted to make it up there was because um, this one girl uh, who I figured out at that point, her name was Kelly, uh, that she and her friends had gone on past us and they had just kind of left us in their dust because we were just way too slow. Uh, Bradford came out with altitude sickness. He was like as gr just green as a, uh, a melon or a watermelon or like he was really green, looking really nasty. So he actually went he didn't even make the summit. He went back down and he did this like, go on without me. Like just summon it, do it for me. Like, like, I mean, we're like, Bradford, we'll go down with you if you want. He's like, no, 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 do it for me. And so he made like the four hour trek back down the mountain, him and this other guy, uh, like just the two of them. And we went on and tried to catch up with the other group. And so we got to the top of the mountain, we snapped some amazing pictures. And that's when I was like, okay, I didn't come up here for nothing. I really want to get this girl's number and I was able to do probably the smartest thing I'd done in my life up until that point, which was I saw that Ke Kelly had used her phone to take a picture of the groups. And so I told her, I was like, Hey, why don't I put my phone number in your phone so that you can send me the picture of our group? And she's like, Oh, go, sure. And she didn't even think anything. I, I, I was very sly. I was, she, she her radar did not go off at all so I knew I'd get her phone number once she texted it to me and then our group and her group went back down the mountain together and you know for it takes almost as long to go down the mountain as up the mountain like four hours later uh we finally get down the mountain it's like late afternoon at this point you know we're completely exhausted that's when I actually first experienced altitude sickness um, I never threw up or anything, but I, it was the queasiest, nastiest feeling I've ever had. It's kind of like motion sickness. Um, if you've never felt like altitude sickness before, um, your, your stomach just feels like it's like a washing machine. It's pretty awful. Um, and that's when we uh, got invited to go to a very famous Colorado mountain pizzeria called Bojo's. Um, best part of the day was definitely just was definitely just getting to meet Kelly. I mean, I, I can't escape it. Like, like just looking back, the best part of the day is just getting to meet my future wife. Um, second best part of the day was getting to play now with her. Worst part of the day was being altitude sick. I mean, that was atrocious. I mean, it was absolutely horrific. 
Um, worst part of the day was <laughs> when we got back into cell service and we started receiving so this was after this is after we hiked all the way up and down the mountain and our phones just like started blowing up from our parents because I guess Ashton was supposed to text her mom when she made it to the top but she forgot and so Mrs. Anderson went into a panic basically because it's just not Ash like Ashton to forget to text her mother and so she Mrs. Anderson was calling um, Carlos's mom she was calling my mom asking if they had heard from us and I think they called whatever county sheriff that was I don't remember what county it was in and so like the sheriff was looking for our car in the parking lot but we they wouldn't find us because we were supposed to be on the class one side but we accidentally ended up on the class two side so they're looking for a suburban in a parking lot that's not there <laughs> and so Ashton had to call her mom and apologize and then Ashton's freaking out because her mom's freaking out and it's just like feeding off of each other and so Ashton's saying like everybody needs to call their parents and tell them that we're alive and we're fine we're really sorry for like messing that up that was kind of I mean it's funny and it was kind of even funny at the time but at the, the same time it was it was a bummer question six what was the best and worst part of the day the best part of the day for me on our climb of Gray's Peak was definitely summiting the mountain. It was exhilarating and joyful to reach over 14,000 feet, to look out across Colorado and see for miles, um, to enjoy the fresh air, and to feel like we had surmounted this um, extremely arduous challenge. That was definitely the best part of the day. The worst part of the day was the lack of oxygen in Colorado in general, and especially the higher that you got on the mountain, um, even with all of the training that I had done leading up to the climb, it was a feeling unlike anything that I had ever experienced before. Um, having to take a full deep breath to barely halfway fill my lungs with the oxygen I was used to. And um, Kelly's group told us that we adjusted pretty well, but that was definitely the um, most excruciating part of our journey and that leads me to question number seven what was your favorite part of eating at bojo's which is a really famous uh, pizzeria in idaho springs it's it has an amazing amazing uh, mountain pie they have this this amazing crust that you dip in honey and it's, oh, it's just absolutely phenomenal but i introduced them to my favorite card game in the world which is diabolical it's called Mao. Uh, it's a game which there's only one rule, and that rule is that you do not speak of the rules. Now, uh, it's a game that, just owing to its very nature, lends itself to a lot of frustration because you aren't told anything. You just get punished for not knowing things, and you just got to kind of pick up on it as the game goes along. But Kelly did a really, really good job. I was really, really impressed with her. She picked up on all these rules, you know, after only being, like, punished a single time for it. And these are rules that took me, I had to be punished like, you know, 
10 or 20 times before I got the same role. So I was really impressed with her. She did a really good job. Um, the food, because I was starving. <laughs> and then it was also really fun because we ended up with this random group from Missouri um, going to Bojo's. And it was very, just like camaraderie building because we had all survived this huge mountain and got to like hang out and play games and eat pizza. And that was so fun. Yeah, I was about to ask, it wasn't the card game that you played? It was, it was not the card game. I have the hardest time picking up card games that don't have rules that are clearly explained. I know that's, consider me picky, but that was, that was an interesting part of the day. For sure. My favorite part of eating at Bojo's was learning that Coloradans put honey on their pizza crust after they're done eating the main part with the toppings. It's absolutely delicious. And although I have never seen anyone outside of Colorado do that with their pizza, it's a tradition that I've kept going. I think it's a wonderful export from the state, and um, that was definitely one of the highlights of the restaurant. Also a great part of Bojo's was playing Mao, a game which Austin certainly had a love for during his time at Mizzou, and um, at first forced all of his friends to play, but we came to love it and um, had some friendly, um, sometimes hostile competition through Mao. Yes, my favorite part of eating at Bojo is, I mean, the pizza is amazing. It's, it's the best pizza. It's Colorado-style pizza. So, um, but also just playing Mao. That was great. <laughs> I remember being so confused, too. Even trying to understand the progression of the game, I would play completely out of turn. And I wasn't really all that embarrassed, but at the same time, I really wanted to impress you. (laughs) And so I really wanted to do good. This podcast was hosted by the ostentatious Austin Williams. Music performed by the bodacious Brandon Nelson and cover art drawn by the radical Rebecca Rabin. As this podcast draws to a close, just remember that we all share this planet. Nothing really exists divorced from anything else. No man is an island. By choosing what food you eat or don't eat, you're choosing what kind of farming gets practiced. You're choosing what chemicals get sprayed on your food and how much fertilizer ends up in the Gulf of Mexico. If everybody who listens to this podcast decided to only buy regeneratively produced food, we could heal so much land. I pray for the people who eat our food every morning. As much as our land is in need of physical redemption, there is an infinitely greater need for spiritual redemption in the lives of the people who eat it. Our world has been greatly tainted by sin, me included. I I pray that the physical redemption I get to see every day on our farm, communicated through the food we produce, illuminates the need for spiritual redemption in all who eat it. Remember to check out my other podcast, Amen if you want to hear the good news perspective on the bad news. Tune in every weekday to find out. Over the next couple months, I'll be transitioning to hosting that podcast with Kelly rather than let them eat grass. It's a sad departure, but I wouldn't trade the journey for anything. Stay with me, won't you?